0: On this week's edition of Flying High, the Philly Fans Perspective. We are back from a holiday break. Uh, we took a little while off, but we're really talking one thing today. It's, it's almost unbelievable that we are still talking about it on January 7th, but we're talking about our Philadelphia Eagles moving on to the divisional round. But first off, send request. play us in. Um just wow it's it's been a minute real quick Justin how how you doing man how was the holidays
1: oh, I'm doing great man um the holidays were were lovely just got to spend the time with my daughter and I know we chatting before I was telling you I'm getting over a little bit of a cold here so just trying to hack that stuff out uh, it's all coming out right now you know the uh the lovely um mucus and all that stuff but you know hey uh that's what the life of a of a parent is like so you know, you do. You get a little cough medicine in you, you get a little Zycam in you, and uh, you know, you just kind of keep going forward. But it was a it was an awesome Christmas break with my daughter, her first Christmas. So, like, I got a lot, got lots of jerseys. I'm wearing my Wince. I'm wearing my, my Sixers hat. Got my uh, City Ben Simmons jersey in the closet. It was a nice Christmas for uh, Philly sports, and uh, we got a lovely late Christmas present last night.
0: That we did. And we've been riding some sort of crazy Christmas, New Year's present train since this whole run started. And last time we talked, Nick Foles had just beaten the LA Rams. And we were basically saying awesome, but th- there was just so much that needed to be done for them to make the playoffs. Fast forward, we've beaten the Texans, we've beaten the Redskins. The Bears won the game in Minnesota for us. Thank you, Kirk Cousins. And then after the Bears gift-wrapped us a playoff berth, we go into their house and steal it from them 16 to 15. I mean, let's just start with first impressions of the game. What are you thinking right now? I don't even I, – I, it's been an entire day, and I still don't know what exactly to think.
1: Yeah, I mean, I spent a lot of the day watching – bears fan reaction videos on youtube and there's i mean it's that's that stuff's gold if you have if you're a that's listener cool. and you have you have time please treat yourself to bear fans reaction videos um did you wow. see the
0: one did you see the one of the guy taking out the door just cursing
1: balls yes, out I did see that it's i was like, like wow my... and it's crazy because like it we went to bed basically, like, thinking that it was Parkey's fault, right? And then you wake up this morning and you realize that, no, Trayvon Hester gets a finger on that bad boy. So, it, it, you know, I'm, I, in one in one way, I'm kind of, like, happy for – I'm relieved, I guess I could say, for Cody Parkey because you feel bad as a human being for a person, another person to go through something like that, right? You never want to see somebody you know – I, I always hate when games come down to like one person's mistake. Like I, I, I hate that. Like I'm like obviously overjoyed um, that that happened, but like you know you're kind of just like at least I'm always just like man that sucks. I wouldn't want to be that guy. You know. No,
0: I I feel that way too, and it's it's weird how if it's not your team you feel bad for them, but if it's your team like I guarantee you if that oh, was, if our was our kicker, kicker? Oh. I would have been ripping him to
1: shreds. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, it's, well, just, it's just. And I, I think, you know, it's hard for us to. It's hard to know how much that changed the trajectory of, of the the ball's path. I mean, I would have to think it looked like it was going left anyway, but I would have to think um, it it made some, you know, impact on the ball. You know, I
0: think but... it definitely did. I and if you haven't seen this play yet please go online and look it up but it was the doink doink there was a double doink <laughs> it, it hits the it hits the cross or it hits the goal post and then bounces down to the crossbar and I believe that I, I saw a video somewhere of uh I forget where it was but somebody was analyzing it and saying that that tip actually did change the spin of the ball so that when it hit the crossbar it bounced forward instead of over because if it was a normal, I guess, properly rotating kick, it would have hit the crossbar. Because a lot of times you see a ball hits the crossbar and bounces right over. So I was actually uncertain at the end of the game before the rest didn't signal anything. So I was one, I didn't see the ball. I just saw it bounce up. And for a second, I thought it had gone in and then just jump up
1: and down and scream, you know? Can I be. honest with you without you judging me. Yeah, I walked out of the room Because I don't handle Losing well and I know that that's a violation thing to do But and I've done it many times I've done it during Flyers games when they when they're about to close out a losing series I've I've done it during You know football games. I've done it during basketball games. It's just something in me can't handle watching like Watching your team that you love lose and I know that that's bad. I got to get over that. I'm 33 years old I got to find a way to get over that but I walked out of the room and then I knew Once I started hearing all this noise and my phone blowing up I ran back into the room and I was like, you got to be kidding me and then I watched the replay and I was like, holy Snikes Like, (laughs) What is this real life and I the only thing I can think is what a game, what a team, what a town. I just don't know what else to say. I mean, we, we were talking six, five, six weeks ago about is Doug Peterson safe? I mean, we, we were legitimately questioning, like, who on this coaching staff is going to be back next year. That is just insane what this team you has been able to accomplish, and you cannot count them out of any game moving forward. I don't care what the line is. The line's at 9 for the Saints, whatever. The line might as well be at 17. Because it really doesn't matter to this team. They don't care. And they're taking a lot of hate and a lot of that same underdog mentality into this game. And a lot of people have been saying to me, you know, like I told you, I coached with a guy who's a Cowboys fan. And he said, You guys aren't, you know, beating, you're not beating the Saints. He's like, I'd like to see you in the NFC Championship game, but you're not beating the Saints. I was like, We weren't supposed to beat the Patriots. In my mind, that was a bigger win than going in and beating the Saints this weekend.
0: You know, we weren't supposed to beat the Patriots. We weren't supposed to beat the Vikings. We weren't supposed to beat the Falcons. We weren't supposed to beat the Rams. We weren't supposed to beat the Texans. We weren't supposed to beat the Bears. It just, there's no logic to it. Something about this team has just turned on. Whether Nick Foles is driving it or whatever, it is apparent that these guys have stepped on the pedal and are just clicking at the right time. And last season, we were the motto was next man up, right? Step up when somebody gets injured. But this. I think this season is more incredible because of the defensive backs that have stepped up who were playing atrocious all season the starters were playing poorly to begin with but then these practice squad guys get called up and we're wondering what are their names who the heck are these guys how are they on this team And then you got guys like Craven LeBlanc making a huge play to knock the ball out of the receivers' hands. And Trey Sullivan, he should have made that pick, but he's still over the place making good tackles. It's just incredible how it's all coming together and there's no way you can count this team out. I know a lot of the national media is still counting them out. No chance with the Saints. This Bears game was a fluke, but there's something going on here and we can't ignore the fact that team's magical right now
1: no I mean I think I don't know how you can refute that and it's it's just this team has a way of coming together at the right time like you said um I don't know how to explain it in any other way you know and it's hard to win in the NFL I say this literally every week it is so hard to win in the NFL but good teams know like they know in the back of their it's like an instinct they know when it's time they know I mean this team was dead this team was dead five weeks ago that it or whenever when, however long ago it was that they played the saints. That team was a defeated team in our eyes, but you probably couldn't have told that to them. You know, uh, it's just amazing. And that's what winners win, right? Winners know how to win and you have to credit every single person from the guy pouring the Gatorade to, to Doug Peterson. I mean, this coaching staff can flat-out coach. I mean, uh, uh, I don't (laughs) don't know.
0: It's so funny. I mean, it's not funny, but it's crazy that we're saying this because not six weeks ago we're saying nobody on this staff can coach. Schwartz is awful, grows a disgrace. We're missing Frank Reich, and all of a sudden it's just like Jim Schwartz has pulled this team together. This defense is playing like they were one of the best defenses in the league again. Say uh, flashbacks of
1: last season. Yep, and and I still maintain that and listen Frank Reich is my my coach of the year candidate Um, So I still would take him back 365 days a year, you know what I mean? I would I would take him back right now if he got fired Um, He's just he's just done a tremendous job in in India Indianapolis I mean that guy that guy I think has proven that he also can flat-out coach but it's a testament to Doug <clears throat> excuse me and his staff for bringing this team back from the edge of death and i i don't know i think if you're questioning Doug Peterson at this point i think you 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 need to get your head checked because there shouldn't be any more questions that Philadelphia has a guy who can just flat out coach and that's a that's a really welcome thing to have and we haven't felt this way since you know, probably Big Red, you know, but the early days anyway. But to get back to your original point, yeah, the defense was terrific, man. I mean, they, they, the Bears had drives where they brought the ball down to, you know, the 10, the 12, and like the 16, and came out of there with field goals. It was uh, a, a great, great defensive game by them. And, yes, um, they figured out Avanti Maddox late in the game. And Allen Robinson's a good receiver. So good receivers will figure they figured out that he likes to bite, you know, and he bit hard on that double move. And they kind of just kept going back to that. Um, But credit to Maddox, he like he didn't lose his head. He stayed in the game and he was making plays earlier. I kind of like that's kind of was kind of ballsy of Nagy to pick on him, actually, considering like he was flying around the ball. So, uh, you know, he had a good game Rasul was barely targeted. I mean, Rasul, like, I, 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 it's hard to know. I always think that's a funny, like, stat when you look at, like, w- whether a guy gets targets or not, like, as a cornerback, because you don't know how he's going to do unless you throw the ball in his direction. But it does say something that Trubisky didn't feel like he could go to that side of the field. So Rasul was playing some tight defense. Oh, and, and Corey Graham as well. Corey Graham played very well. Yeah. So, I mean, I said my to my brother today. I was like, well, dude What are we gonna do at cornerback next year with Mills and Darby? I was like, I guess you let Mills you you let Darby walk, right? Like take a walk. I guess
0: I, I Would I would think so I mean he's he's shown that he's injury prone and his Display in that Carolina game was enough for me to
1: send him packing that day right, but, but it's a great now you have a great problem oh. in that you have all these cornerbacks and you you know guy guys like Ravon LeBlanc, you're thinking like Dweck, we gotta keep this guy, maybe,
0: yeah, and he he was actually cut by the bears, so I'm sure he had something going where he wanted to beat down on them, but really, these guys are playing unbelievable out of their minds for the Latley. Like, they say the Eagles have playoff experience, which they do, but there are guys coming up humongous who do not have playoff experience. It's quite impressive, and going back to the coach for a minute, Doug Peterson. I think something that's really important for this team, obviously, the team has some serious chemistry. And when they were losing those games and everybody's saying the season is over, they kept saying, we believe in ourselves. It's a tight locker room. And we might have questioned them and thought that it was getting into into shambles or whatever we wanted to say. They legitimately believe in each other, and that starts with the coach. The coach has his leadership group who he goes to to talk to about big decisions. He listens to players' ideas in play calling with Nick Foles when he comes over to call a play. It's a discussion. It's not coach telling player what to do. He has an open mind. He listens to the players. He goes in, and if you watch any of those speeches he gives after the games, he loves those guys, and the guys love him back, and they're not going to quit on each other.
1: I, I agree. I just think these guys play for Doug. Um, they play for Doug. They play for each other. I I haven't seen a group like this in, in in a very long time. I mean, and it's just, it's such a special group. We really need to be thankful. And listen, if it doesn't go past New Orleans next next week, the season in my mind has still been a success. <clears throat> I guess not in the way that we thought it didn't it still didn't go the way that we thought it would go, right? Like we still had some some hopes for a back to back uh championship, but like so it didn't go the way that we wanted it to in that way. At least right now. We're, we're we still have possibly could finish this thing out. I mean, let's be honest. But it you know, I don't know. I, I just I lost my train of thought now. <laughs> I mean thing.
0: No, I absolutely agree that It's not what we thought. The season as a whole has not gone how we thought it would go. It didn't go how we wanted it to go. But somehow we found ourselves back in the divisional round of the playoffs with as good a chance as anybody to win. And that's what excites me the most is last season, I thought we were one of the best teams in the league, if not the best. And there was a clear, clear favorite, you know, in the Patriots who were going in the AFC. And it was just the Vikings were our only real test. But this year, I don't see any team that's really, like, this team is definitely going to make it all the way. I think the Rams, I really believe that the Rams are going to beat down on the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys got lucky this weekend uh, that Pete Carroll doesn't know how to get involved in an offensive play call and, you know, do anything correctly. But aside Mm -hmm. from that, man, this this is anybody's game. So anybody counting a six seed out, look at the Colts. The Colts just went in and stomped Houston.
1: Yeah, um, Houston's got a lot of problems. I actually picked Indianapolis to win that game, but for their defense not to show up, that was yeah, that was interesting. But I mean, I I don't know that I agree. I, I'm not a believer in Jared Goff in the playoffs quite yet. He needs to show me something. Um, they're coming off a bye. Gurley's been arrested for a while. He hasn't played. That game's going to be interesting, and to be honest, the Cowboys played really well. I mean, their defense was just flying around the ball. And say what you want about, say what you want about um, the Seahawks. They, they really didn't open up the passing until like the fourth quarter. That was really, that sh- was really interesting. I think Russell Wilson had 22 passes before the fourth quarter. So, I, uh, I don't know. But Dallas, I have to give credit where credit's due. I think Dallas is is, is a good team. They've made it. Um, They've gotten as far as uh, I think they deserve to be. So, you know, that game is, uh, I don't, and it's not like it's LA, the Coliseum's not a hard place to play. So I really could see Dallas going in there winning that game. And oh boy, if you get a Dallas and Eagles NFC championship game, I mean, all bets are off, man.
0: That will be a battle to the death if that were to happen. But we can't look too far ahead. We're going to look back at some of the things that went on in this game, starting with our man, number nine, Nick Foles. I mean, what, more can, what more can you <laughs> say, man? This guy just is so even keel. And the first half didn't go the way he wanted it to. 10 of 16 for 143 yards. Now he got sacked once and threw two picks. But he just, he never believes that he's out of it. No matter what happens. And the guys believe in him. They feel that, and you hear it when they talk about him in post-game interviews, that they thrive off his level-headedness and truly believe him when he comes back from throwing an interception where the first one, that was iffy. It was it was thrown behind Smallwood, but that was a great play by the linebacker, to be honest, to rip that out. The second one was, there was pressure on him, but that's one you want to just throw out of bounds. Don't even give him a chance to pick that off, especially when you're so close to the end zone. But I guarantee you, he went back after each of those plays and was like, my bad, guys. We got this. And everybody believes him. And that's why they come back as strong as ever. And the
1: interceptions
0: didn't even turn into points, I don't believe.
1: He just has this unflappability about him. Like, I just – I don't know, man. I've never seen – ne- I'm not flummoxed to use my uh, – sorry, Shane, to use your <laughs> word, my little brother. He used this word in conversation last week. But – I never, I'm not flummoxed by sports a lot, but this is a situation where I literally just do not have an explanation. I have no idea why this works. Um, a guy that was going to quit football—he's one of the—he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. I mean, it's just crazy. I clutch mean, clutch gene. It, he's I, I got the clutch gene. I I don't know, man. I don't know what else to say, but Nick Foles is a winner. Dang it. The kid, the guy is just a winner. He just wins games. And they're not, they're, they're not always, you have one, you know, you have the 15 and 10 games over the Falcons, and then you have the 38 and seven wins over the Vikings. And then you have like the 41, 33 nail biters. And then you get the 16, 15 nail biters. It's just like the guy wins every kind of game you put him in. I mean, he's got four, he's four and one in the playoffs. So he's bringing him back.
0: And in the third or in the fourth quarter, there, he just comes out and drives them 60 yards against the best defense in the NFL. And after watching that game, I'm sold that the Bears are legitimately one of, if not the best defenses in the NFL and he just goes down so many third-down plays where he just makes a clutch throw. And I had the stat up about um, over the last four games in general, Foles has gone 38-46, which is 82.6% for 431 yards, five touchdowns, one pick, and a 132.9 passer rating on third and fourth downs. Last That's night ridiculous. Went, or last night he went 8-11, of 11, which was 70, almost 73%. With a touchdown and a 122.9 rating. And you look at some of these throws and third and nine, where he hits Jeffrey. It's just fourth down, where he has to side arm it to Golden Tate, who had a huge game. He only had a few catches, but they were some of the biggest catches. Five that for we've 46. Seen yeah. Since was- he's like the, the one where he, he, it was a deep ball and he took a solid hit and. He actually walked off the field while the Bears' defender was uh, shaken up worse. And then this one on fourth, fourth and goal, where just gets open, makes the play, and th- that was an um, incredible throw. It, it might have looked easier just because it was so short, but when you went back and looked at it, he had the sidearm that throws a perfect ball with just enough time to hit Tate.
1: It was unbelievable, man. And I, I keep say, I keep using that word, but yeah, that that play was incredible. I remember, I think I was really scared at that point because. You know fourth down you know it's the game it's the bears defense they're they're really great and you know it was funny i was thinking like i was i i I don't remember whether i said it on third or fourth down but i was texting to a bunch of people and i was like here comes philly philly just do it why not right
0: Oh, and then they man. run the,
1: and then they run the trick play and I was like, oh my god, they're doing it They're doing it. They're doing it and I thought they really worked, But you you know, then you realize like they really couldn't I mean every defense in the world would have that <laughs> like Marked up, you know uh, to a T at this point, but yeah, it was it was that was a little bit of gamesmanship by Doug, P, Doug Peterson there that I really appreciated um, but then yeah that they, they they score they go down and score and the two-point conversion which it's embarrassing that they didn't get that right. Um, but, it, you know, here we are again talking about an officiating crew that, that got calls wrong, and this is like the this, this same story with this, not just the Eagles. Officiating across the NFL has been horrid this year. Oh, Absolutely atrocious. horrid. The ball clearly crosses the plane. It clearly goes over the white. And I don't, that, nothing on that play was different than any other dive play that I'd seen this year. It was no different. It was the exact same camera angles, the exact same thing that you look for. You could see the plane. You could see the ball. He was over. I don't know what more they needed to say. And it was almost like Collingsworth was trying to sell the audience on, well, you know, they, it was, uh, you know, they can't overturn this because uh, the 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 refs uh, made the call on the field, and so it's probably going to stand. What are you talking about?
0: Yeah. <sighs> I just think in that situation, the refs cornered themselves by making that call on the field where I don't know if they're putting it in their minds, what the reaction is going to be by both sides. But if they t- overturn that and call that a two point conversion, you know, they're catching some serious flack from Chicago's fans. But
1: I maybe, almost maybe, but like, yeah, but like that's what the you got to make the right call. You that's have what to the make the criteria right call. Is, if your only criteria is that it has to break the plane and you have to show that it breaks the plane like I don't, dude, pause the screen and draw a line down the screen. Like they do it all the time as analysts. I don't know why they didn't just do that. Like they draw that little yellow line. Like I don't, I could have done it on my TV. I just didn't feel like putting a marker on my TV.
0: Now, if just looking at that real, I want to kind of dissect that entire four play sequence and then the two point conversion. There was some discontent I guess or just they weren't uh, some people were not happy with the two runs uh, with Sproles and they could have made those two runs more effective but I I really like bringing the clock down and running those two plays so that it forces the Bears to use their timeouts and it just runs the clock down so that the defense doesn't have to be on the field for as long
1: no I was fine with that and somebody asked me um, somebody from work that I was texting back and forth with, with asked me, um, you know, why did they do that? And I was like, I'm pretty sure they were doing that just to kill clock. And so that that run I was fine with. But I have to say, um, Doug got a little too, I think he was just a little too into the sprawls up the gut run last night. I mean, it, obviously we're here talking about a win, but I, I don't want to see him do that as much as he did against New Orleans. And it was kind of my fear that when he came back, listen, I think that Darren Sproles changes what the Eagles are able to do on offense in a, in a good way, in a positive way. I will say that, but I don't think he's a running back. You can hand off and have him get you chunk yardage up the middle. He's not, that's not what he is. So I'm just curious as to why we're trying, we're doing that instead of using the the running back who like almost is twice as tall as as Darren Sproles and Josh Adams and have him do that heavy lifting.
0: I mean, it's a, it's a tough call and this is something where you have to have faith in your players and I'm concerned with both Smallwood and Adams about a big fumble at a big time in the game and I think by putting the ball in Sproles' hands you have more ball security, and he's he can break away for bigger plays. I don't like running him up the gut either, but I'm not sure that I feel comfortable handing the ball off to an Adams or a Smallwood in a big situation, especially in that if there's a fumble on that one yard line. Oh man, I don't even oh, want to think. Oh yeah, about get that. A, get
1: out the pitchforks. Um, so I understand the reasoning there i just think that there were times where you know second down first down where we're running sproles up the middle and it's like all right are we doing this to be safe or are we doing this because we really think that it's gonna provide us with positive yardage so um we all know running back is uh an issue uh it's 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 an area where we need to add some bodies so again i think that sproles can I hit you can I hit yeah. you
0: with a quick why I think they might have done that? And go ahead. Whether or not they actually believe that he was gonna pick up big yardage or any sort of chunk yardage, I'm not certain. But I think just handing the ball off to Sproles enough creates that threat that he's going to run the ball. It opens up the play action. And when you have a guy like Sproles who can act as almost a wide receiver, it just opens up the field so much if you show every now and then he's going to run in different ways. And you have to, that way the defensive lineman can't focus on the outside thing. Oh, Sproles is running. It's going to be an outside run. They have to respect the fact that Sproles is going to run it up the middle. Cause if the lineman block well enough and create a big enough hole, he's small, he's not a bruiser, but he'll sneak through that hole up the middle and break away for a 10 or 15 yard gain. So I think it just opens up the field furthermore.
1: No, that's a great point. I mean, I, I have to agree. I mean, uh, yeah uh, yeah i would have to agree with that um i think uh you know i i would like to see a little more creativity in in the run game um, we we don't have the horses for that right now we don't we don't have those guys Sproles is probably the your most talented guy you know clement can't Cle, clement can't get on the field do we do we know why is he done for the season he's done yeah, for the IR'd, season right so, yeah i him. him so clement's done you know Ajayi was has been done for all year so i mean you don't have you don't have the horses, it just is what it is, so um but getting you know getting back to Nick, <laughs> I mean listen, man, I wrote a article at uh at two one five um this past week, and uh i know I'm, I, I
0: meant to tell I, you I like the article, I really did
1: appreciate it yeah I, I, and this is this has been something that you and I have been talking about, but uh, I' just been seeing on Twitter so much of this Foles Wentz thing. And I know we're going to get into this. Um, so maybe this is a good leaping off point, but oh. it just, it, it just, it's been like, well, what if, what if Foles does this and what if Foles does that? And, and, and all this stuff. And I, and I have to, I, I just, it got to a point where I was like, everybody, you guys, I'm reading tweets where people are talking about trading Carson Wentz. And it's it's getting to comical proportions right now because I think everybody is just so infatuated with this idea of Nick Foles um, being this mythical hero, being this savior who's already brought you to the promised land once, but now could possibly do it again. Here he is. He's doing it again. He's winning. And I think people are so caught up in this that they are – and this is Philadelphia, right? This is what Philadelphians do. They're ready to ship out a 26-year-old MVP candidate. And so I, I, I took that and I, I went to my computer. I banged it out, um, and I got some interesting hits back from it. It seemed to be somewhat controversial on social media, which is, which is fine. That's what I was going for, you know. Um, some people called me an idiot. Some people said you're absolutely right um basically the article was was that we'd be crazy to trade Carson Wentz and that no matter what Nick Foles does at the end of the season that we listen if we can keep him I would keep him but I think he wants to play so uh, if that's the case so. right if that's the case and there would be a market for him listen if he won another super bowl there would absolutely be a market for him but um we'd have to fr- you know I would I would franchise him and trade him to be honest with you, that's what I would do if we weren't going to keep him. But I'd just like to get your thoughts on this whole thing because I think I know where I stand. I just think it's absolutely ludicrous to, to entertain the idea of trading away Carson Wentz. I don't see it. Um it's just too, it's a unique situation because of Nick, the, the nature of Foles' contract, but people can't wrap their heads around, if this guy brings us another Super Bowl, we'd be letting him walk, and we can't have that. So it's like, what is the answer here?
0: So I was actually thinking about this today because I've been watching national media, Philly media, listening to Philly Sports Radio all day, reading tweets, you know, seeing all of this. And really what I'd like to do – I'll, I'll answer this to a certain extent, but I would love at the end of the season to have a full episode kind of dissecting this because I'm trying so hard Absolutely. to not make any, to just focus on the games ahead and focus on what we've got going on right now because I think any bad mojo is really going to mess this up. And I, I'm i not superstitious. What What's this saying? I'm not superstitious. I'm just a little stitious. Right, whatever, right. whatever Michael Scott says, like, I don't want to mess this up. By, or even just focusing on something that we'll focus on at the end of the season. I think that this game against the Saints plays a big factor in this because if if Nick Foles goes into the the Superdome and beats the number uh number 1 seed, you at least have to have a discussion, you know?
1: I mean, what do you do? Literally, I'm asking for those of you out there and you. I don't what do you do? He has a uh, twenty million dollar option um, that the Eagles could pick up, but he can also give two million back and um, and and hit free agency. <clears throat> so uh, the only option
0: they, they could also franchise him, right? And then try and trade him through those means, right? I think whatever they do, I know that it's a business, and a lot of decisions are based off of the business but I think they're going to take Nick Foles' best interest into account when they, you know, decide exactly how they're going to go about this. And I think they'll probably talk with him. But that's going to come when that comes and I I have no idea, man. I've to be honest, and we'll delve de- we'll get deeper into this after the season. I don't want to start a big discussion on it right now, but I think that, you know, generational quarterbacks they don't come around super often, but I think, like, once every two or three years, there's that quarterback in the draft. And especially lately, like, there have been so many great quarterbacks that have been drafted lately. I think if Nick Falls brings you back to back Super Bowl titles or <clears throat> even gets you anywhere, like, this is just unbelievable. If he gets you anywhere close to there, you have to consider the fact that this team can continue to win now. So if you can get a few draft, like, really top draft oh. picks. I'm sorry, man, but if you can get those top draft picks for the next three to four years, you have a legitimate chance at getting back to the Super Bowl. You have more money to work around at the other positions because it is a team sport, and I, I wanted to pull up the exact stats, and I'm going to do it when we go over this in depth, but... If you pay the quarterback all the money, there's not enough to go around to give them the right assets and build a defense as well to be a complete team. I mean, you look at Matthew Stafford, Kirk Cousins, Matt Ryan, Aaron Rodgers, since they've gotten their big contracts, hasn't gone well for them. We'll get to that when we get to that. I don't want to talk about this too much, but I just I am I am weighing the options and trying to look at it in in the most logical but also i don't know man there's just yeah it's
1: it's it's hard to look at it without emotion and you're i know exactly what you're just going to say they play for this guy they they do there's no way it's not like they don't play for carson i think there's a lot of things that went into the timing of this you know uh you know carson playing possibly several games with a broken back and he's playing on a on a fresh, like a, a newly constructed leg. I mean, there's so many things that people, I'm not saying you, but people aren't taking into account. Um, and then, you know, rumors that Doug opens up the playbook a little bit more for, for Nick when he comes back and starts. And, and you know, maybe I, I don't know how these guys view Vols versus Wentz. I don't know. I really don't want to sit here and, and say they play harder for one guy than they do the other. I don't believe that. Is it possible that they started playing looser because they felt like they were out of it? Maybe. Um, I, I tend not to put a whole lot of stock into all that all that hearsay stuff. Uh, I just Nick. I just I just think Nick is. He's just got a head about him that is just. Um, it's he's just a special guy that somehow has found something here he's found something here with in this city with Doug Peterson with this team and it it should be celebrated I 100% agree it should be celebrated if if the situation was different if his contract was different if he had two more years oh boy if he had two more years I don't even I don't even know what the what the conversation would be then i just i i'm with you it could could we win two more times with nick Foles? who the hell knows maybe but i know but i know like i know nick Foles is a good quarterback but i know carson wentz is a good quarterback you know what i mean like i know carson wentz is going to be a good quarterback we haven't even seen we haven't even seen him at his peak, at his prime. That's what scares me. To, to, we've done this in Philadelphia, and this is I'm gonna I'm gonna get off my high horse after this. We've done this in Philadelphia, in other sports. We traded away guys like Patrick Sharp, who went on to win three Stanley Cups in Chicago. One of the worst moves the Flyers have ever made. Um, we say we traded away Sergei Bobrovsky, who went on to win two Vesna trophies as the best goalie in the league. I mean, <clears throat> I just we got to be really careful about the the ideas that we start to entertain as fans without sitting down and looking at them logically because if you can sit down right now and i know that there's people out there who could do this but if you can really sit down there right now and look yourself in the mirror and say you'd be comfortable trading away Carson Wentz and you would take what come what may you have a you have a stronger like resolution or whatever the word is, you have like a stronger uh, conviction than I will ever have.
0: I mean, I I think we're going to have a really good discussion about this at some point when we can, you know, look at all the facts and look at all the film and really have an educated, it's going to be a little bit emotional, but have a strongly educated discussion on this. It's just such a difficult position because We don't know what's going to happen. You know, if you keep Wentz, I feel like there's so much pressure on that kid's shoulders. And if he is anything short of that MVP that we saw, he's going to catch a lot of heat from Philly fans who wanted Foles around. But if you keep Foles, trade Wentz, and then Foles can't get back to this glory, whatever it is, his his magical run, when a full season beats him down, then we're going to be thinking what the heck did we do but
1: at it's this sort of a at, yeah it's it, god
0: at this time i think you just gotta ride the Foles train for the 2018 slash 19 season
1: and just see where we're going because we are on one hell of a ride yeah we are and and you know the last thing i'll say is it i wouldn't want to be either guy really i mean i wouldn't if Foles wins I wouldn't want to be Carson because now I gotta follow up two Super Bowls. And good lord, if I if I don't do it the first two seasons or first three seasons, my God. Um, and then if you're Foles, I mean, you you're gonna to try to stay what you wanna stay here and be under Carson Wentz? Like you've got two rings. Like, I don't know, man. It's it's I just credit- think
0: I think that Nick Foles is that I mean, I, I know that I'm a more of a in person, not total Folesian. I, I like both quarterbacks, but I really love the personal side of him that is just he is just his true self at all times. So I could genuinely see him doing what's best for the team and just being content that he has those two rings. I think he's hungry and I hope if they do choose to go with Wentz, that they let Foles go and that Foles goes somewhere great and has the opportunity, but I think the heat's on Wentz here because Foles would Foles has one ring already so he's never paying for a drink again and after this run whether he takes us to the Super Bowl again or not that man's a legend in Philadelphia Eagles history forever so he doesn't have to worry about a thing.
1: <clears throat> yep, I 100% agree and and nor should he. Nor should he and and whenever he if he ever if he leaves and whenever he comes back he'll be greeted and and uh he'll have drinks thrown at him and you know. <laughs> uh I, I, listen, I love Nick Foles. I love that guy. I would I would bleed for the guy if he asked me to. <laughs> so um, <clears throat> he's brought me my only Super Bowl I've ever had in my life. So absolutely, I 100% love him. Uh, and that's sort of what I was trying to get You know, some of the people that were criticizing me for writing that piece. You know, I was saying, listen, listen, this this doesn't have anything to do with n- me thinking Nick Foles isn't a good quarterback. He proved that. He he's a tremendous quarterback. Um I think he is awesome. It's 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 that I don't you know, if you're asking me to choose between him and Carson Wentz, I don't know that I could do that right now. So go win another Super Bowl and make it really harder for me.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what we want. And kind of bridging uh the segment, talking about You know, Nick Foles was counted out. Jeff Fisher cut him. He was ready to retire. This season, we've put a lot of flack on the offensive line, and big man J.P., Jason Peters in particular. My God, Justin, he showed up last night ready to play. I mean, Khalil Mack has been one of, if not the most discussed defensive player in the NFL this season. And Jason Peters basically shut him down with no help. And... He looked like vintage Jason Peters once again,
1: he looked really good. Um, I thought he was he wasn't matched up against Lane Johnson. Who was matched up against Lane Johnson then? I thought I, so I thought Khalil was going to be on Johnson's side, but no, no I think listen. they I
0: think they switched Khalil over because they thought they could, you know, exploit that and exploit I think peters they they switched it around a bit, But I know for most of the night, Mac was on Peters. and I mean, aside I don't think he ever actually got he might have had one or two you know he had
1: he had two hurries I believe um and he had one or two pressures and I think one tackle for loss but that's it he did not have a sack and this offensive line has didn't give up a sack to JJ Watt didn't give up a sack to Aaron Donald so this offensive line unit I mean they deserve a ton of credit these guys have stepped up in the biggest way and there's a reason why, like, Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson were on the all-pro team. I mean, it's – and it's I – mean, you could make a case for Peters if he – it, it maybe last year two years ago.
0: I mean, wasn't – wasn't <clears> Johnson was snubbed this year, wasn't he? Well, he made the Pro
1: Bowl, right? Did he get on the pro – all-pro No,
0: team? he was snubbed. I'll check it out. But he was snubbed because he was pissed off about that.
1: Because Ertz, Ertz was snubbed for the all-pro team, right, but made the Pro Bowl.
0: It's, it's confusing how they have these two different things. Okay, so he um, Lane Johnson was snubbed by the Pro Bowl. Okay.
1: We, uh, wow,
0: really? How is that even possible? So he was snubbed for the Pro Bowl, but he was named first-team all-pro, and, <laughs> then, and then I guess Ertz was the other way. Dude. But he was t- like, that really has been something that has been fueling him since the announcement of the Pro Bowl teams, right? I he said when, when he heard about <clears throat> that, he like drove into the to the meeting rooms, was just watching film and didn't sleep before. I think it was the Texans game yes. that he was talking about that, but yes. he's been a man on a mission ever since. And, you know, he was dealing with some injuries early on that were clearly affecting him and we were kind of... I don't want to say dissing him, but we were certainly calling him out in the entire offensive line out and they've just stepped it up.
1: Uh, they have, I mean, and you, you, what it, clearly it worked because he shut JJ Watt down. I mean, I, I don't think JJ Watt is, is, is has been typical JJ Watt, but I'm that you can't take that away from, from Lane, John Lane Johnson in my mind is a, is a top. I have, to, I'd be hard pressed to come up with a guy, two guys better than him. I mean, who's better than Lane Johnson at right tackle. I mean, He's incredible. Uh,
0: you never, you you very, very rarely see <clears> pressure <throat> coming in from that side. Uh,
1: so you know, and listen, the Eagles have to plan for life after Jason Peters, um, and so that'll be interesting. But man, this this unit right now, same thing with with the defense. Both the lines are oh my just gosh. playing my- so well. So
0: we, you know, you lose Barnett <clears throat> and. Brandon Graham hasn't been playing totally up to potential. And all all season, this defensive line, once again, with the offensive line, has been less than what we hoped for, you know? And then all of a sudden, Michael Bennett is an absolute monster. Fletcher Cox has turned it on and should be in the discussion with Aaron Donald for one of the best. Tim Jernigan, now that he's finally back, is making an impact. Brandon Graham is getting his hand in the quarterback's face again. Chris Long in the backfield. It's like they've just, I don't know what they turned on. I don't know what it is, but they're playing in the same form that they were playing last year. And that's why they went through where they went last year. That's why they won the Super Bowl. It was through the defense, especially the defensive line. And once again, they are carrying this team. It makes it a lot easier when you. Don't have to just keep putting up points. Keep putting up points. You can actually have faith in your defense that they're going to stop them. When they, after that, um, what was it? Was it the score? No, we didn't score. And then the defense comes out three and out, giving us the ball for one last chance, that final drive where we score. They didn't, they didn't let anything up. Every tackle was made. I think it was <clears throat> third and 19 or something. It was just, it was just tremendous by all of them
1: and People want to knock the Bears offense and, and, you know, we'll knock Nagy. And, but listen, they have a really nice young running back duo who the Eagles absolutely shut down the entire night. Three Cohen, I think, was like five for 35 on the outside, I think. And Jordan Howard did absolutely nothing. You didn't hear either one of the, you didn't hear Jordan Howard the whole game. Um, and you heard Cohen, uh, you know, here and there, but they couldn't get anything going on in the run game. I mean, the, 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 the defense and the, the linebackers were, the whole defense played well. I, I don't know what to say. I mean, the, the whole defense played a great game outside Nig- of Nigel like Bradham, two drives.
0: Nigel Bradham was all over the field as well. He You saw him everywhere. And every time the Bears, like you said, went to run the ball, it was just like there was nowhere to go. stuff. There was one play where uh, Howard almost broke out, but I think Malcolm Jenkins made a really nice tackle to trip him up. Aside from that, I mean I know Kamara's is different, I know Mark Ingram's different. It's going to be a tough task, but yeah, yeah. If, and if, uh if I've ever felt confident about this defensive line, like last time we played them, we had no confidence. Now I think we can I don't I don't know at least contain them.
1: Yeah, and I think Bradham is going to have to have the game of his life against Kamara. He's going to have to play really well. Um, you know, I guess you're going to put you're going to put Maddox on Michael Thomas and bracket him with either Corey Graham or uh, yeah, it's going to have to be, it's going to have to be Corey Graham or you have Jenkins help, but you're, you're probably going to want Jenkins to help with the run. So I don't know uh, what you're going to do there, but Maddox, I think is playing as your best cornerback right now. And I think you have to, you have to, you first have to sit him down and say, Hey, big boy, (laughs) <laughs> you gotta, you gotta stop biting on. You, you, we love your aggressiveness. We want you to be aggressive, but you gotta stop biting on the hard stuff, right? That that is that's <clears> a <throat>
0: really good point. I, sorry to cut you off, but I, I think that needs to be the number one focus of the coaching staff, especially you know the uh, secondary coaching staff. Is just let him know that was an awesome play, I almost picked off, but immediately after that, everything it was like you know. Um, Why am I blanking on his name now? What the heck was the guy's name who was always trying to pick off and couldn't tackle? He was from the Patriots. Asante Samuel. Asante Samuel. It was that type of thing where it's just like trying to make the big play every play instead of just containing the guy. They can get seven yards or whatever, but just make the tackle and make sure you don't get bit or you don't bite on that double move.
1: Yeah, I think they they just gotta remind him like, listen, we love your aggressiveness. Stay aggressive, but you 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 gotta open up your bag of tricks a little bit because a guy like Drew Brees uh, and Michael Thomas will just they'll they'll bully him, and I don't want to see that happen to him. Um, so I think that's why they need to help him. Also, uh, it's it's gonna be a tall order. Michael Thomas is the is is a top two three receiver in the game. I don't remember what he did against us in the first game. I think he had a decent game. Um, they kind of just were all over us in a variety of of, of ways. They they were running the ball. They were throwing it. Um, so, you know, the, the Eagles just need to come with a, a solid game plan. I, I thought Jim did a fine job with play calls. I, I don't think he played... Did that thing where he plays the sticks a whole I think they did it they did it on the one third and long where they converted which drove me up a wall. It was like 30 yard gain in the fourth quarter and I was like come on here we go. It was really the only time that happened. So uh, I thought play calling wise I thought Schwartz did a nice job. I, I think his players are, are you know playing for him and, and sort of kind of not saving his job but they're they're showing up for him. so that makes his job a little bit easier.
0: Yeah, and uh against the Eagles last time, uh Thomas went four for ninety-two yards and one touchdown. Only he only had four targets, so he caught it. Yeah, so one.
1: like oh he had yeah. like twenty yard
0: gains like every single time. So And yeah. uh Traquan Smith, who is a rookie wide receiver, actually had ten for one fifty seven and one touchdown. But I mean that was back when the secondary was getting toasted and we had no idea what was going on. I I just it's just a different game this time around. Different game. It's a totally different game. They're going to be effing hungry, to put it nicely, coming off that loss with the Saints. I mean, people were saying on the radio today that down in New Orleans, they're calling this game a second bye for the Saints.
1: No, who said that?
0: Yes. There was a caller who was listening to New Orleans radio. It was on Gargana show on a 97.5 calls in. He says he's been listening to the New Orleans radio station and they are referring to this game as a second buy for the saints.
1: I don't know how you can possibly think that if you're an educated fan, like I, I really don't, maybe you don't know football or maybe you just don't know momentum your team's been off for two weeks. We, You know, the Eagles, did you not watch last year? I don't I think, understand. I think that for them... Are you going to let one game yeah, six think, weeks ago? To, to, like, like that means anything in the NFL?
0: The only way that I could fathom them saying that is that they're purely basing this off the last time the two teams played, and they have not paid attention to the fact that the Eagles are the hottest team in the NFL right now, without a doubt, they are the hottest team in the NFL. So I don't know. Like if, if, if we're in the other position, you know, and we have, we're the number one seed. We've just had our buy and we have a six seed coming in. Who's won six in a row. Yes. I'm going to say we're confident because we're the one seed, but I'm definitely not calling it a second buy by any means. I mean, especially the way the Saints ended the season. Like, there were a few games where they didn't look
1: stellar. You know what, dude? In my opinion, if that is how fans, I hope the players are thinking that. I hope they, I hope out, like, I I, I retweeted something. I hope Alvin Kamara comes out and says something real ignorant because you know what? That's just going to fire up this team even more. I hope they wear their ski masks. I hope they talk a bunch of crap all week. And I really hope they just run their mouths because when we go in there and we pound the dog snot out of these guys in their own barn, that's going to make it that much sweeter when the defending Super Bowl champions come in and say, yeah, you should have known better.
0: And I think something that I, I don't want to say it comforts me, but I'm I'm a little. I'm rest. I, I don't know what I'm trying to say exactly, but they don't have a ton of weapons outside of Kamara, um, Ingram, and um, Michael Thomas. I know this Smith went off last game, but we've seen worse where there's more threats on offense. And I I think the defensive line is going to be the key in this game. If you can get to Drew Brees, you saw the Cowboys get to Drew Brees. You saw the Panthers got to Drew Brees. If you can get that pressure and – you know, clogged the passing lanes because he's short. Um, He's going to have trouble if he's got hands in his face. I think that's going to be the difference maker in the game.
1: I, you know what? And I, I agree. And I think people need to not forget about, what was it, the 20, what, which whichever Super Bowl was it where the Broncos with Peyton Manning just got shellacked S- by oh, Seattle. S- yeah, stomped. Right? Stomped by Seattle It was like 58 to like seven or or 14 or whatever it was The that was Peyton Manning's like most absurd year ever that was the best offense it was a record-setting offense and they got to the Super Bowl and They were crushed by a better by by the, the team just came out and stomped on them defensively and ran the ball up and down the field so I don't know why people think that This is the NFL man. I mean Anything can happen. That's why I think this town is so reinvigorated with this team because they are a different group right now. They are not the team that you saw six weeks ago. And I think this, listen, they could very well lose to a better team in the Saints as constructed right now. And you and I would probably both be okay with that if they lost but put up a terrific or you know even a good, a good fight, right? Not, don't, uh, they don't get blown out. Yeah, I want to see a game. Boy, you know, what you give me a game, they lose by a touchdown or a field goal or two touchdowns. Am I going to be sad about it? Am I going to be upset and frustrated? Yes, because I'm a fan. But you know what? Um, I'm, not, it, I'm not going to be. I could see this going. I wouldn't be surprised if it goes either way. That's what's crazy. I wouldn't be surprised if we lost. I would not be surprised if we won this game. I really wouldn't.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's the most exciting part about it and also the most terrifying part about it is it can go either way. And yep. I'm, it's a little different because you're going into the Superdome, so that's going to be tough. And quite frankly, Soldier Field was loud. That was a yeah. really loud crowd. I don't know if NBC had some mics up in there making it sound even louder, but that no, that's was a good
1: a- place to play. A lot of history there, you know, Soldier Field. I have a lot of respect for Chicago. And I was thinking today um, you know, driving, there's certain teams where you feel like the product is better when they're good. And I think Chicago is one of those teams. I really do. I, I think that, um, the NFL is better when the Chicago bears are playing in the playoffs. I just, they're one of those iconic teams, you know? And, um, I also like a fair bit of turnover every couple years. I don't like the same teams to constantly be, um, you know, in, in it, you know, you look at like the Patriots division is is an absolute farce yeah. uh, that, that nobody else can get in there. But <coughs> excuse me, I digress. Um, it was nice to see the, the, uh, you know, the bears back in it.
0: <laughs> yeah. And uh, I think the only team that I'd be okay with uh, winning every year is the Eagles. Can't, can't say that. I wouldn't love seeing that, but it, it's, it's just crazy <laughs> that we're sitting here talking about this and, The Saints defense, um, they're 14th um, in the league in points and yards per game, and they're 29th in the league in pass yards per game. They are second in the league in rushing yards per game, so I think it, it, it matches up really well for us defensively. Their defense, Nick can just do his thing. and. Go in there confident, not be too concerned. We'll show them the run, and who knows, maybe you can break through. But you know, the second best rushing defense in the league. We're not going to have Josh Adams going off for 150 yards and three touchdowns, or like a Legarrette Blunt type performance in Super Bowl.
1: No, probably not. And I think um, if the Eagles, you know, if you want, I don't know if you want to do predictions or not, but uh, if if you want, um, I haven't given it a ton of thought. I think this game goes one of two ways. The Eagles defense keeps it tight. Um, it's a back and forth defensive battle um, played between the 20s. Some field goals in there. There will be touchdowns. Uh, the Eagles go into the half uh, probably down. They're, they're down either a touchdown, maybe two. But they will come back, and they will come back, and they will make it a game in the fourth quarter. It will be close. Um, Oh, man, it's so hard. Because I don't want to give, like, a homer prediction here. Um, I think the Eagles have a great chance of winning this game. But I see this as a – somewhere in, like, a 33-24 like win um, or a loss to the Saints. Um, something like that where it's a close game. They're in it. The Saints kind of pull away. Um, maybe with like a final drive in the in the in the last quarter, um, and you know, the Eagles just don't have enough offensively to to hang with them. That'd be the only thing I could see. But the defense plays, you know, their butts off. But something along those lines thirty three, twenty four, you know thirty one, twenty four, something like that. I hope I'm wrong.
0: All right, Justin, final prediction. I want a solid answer here. give me, Give me the final score. Who's winning it? <laughs> i know uh, i know i'm killing you giving the final score who's winning it
1: oh man um all right well i'm gonna go completely against what i just said <laughs> because you've now made me rethink but i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna say birds 27 new orleans 24
0: all right i'm gonna go with birds 31 new orleans 28 i think that Defense plays well, but there's just... Drew Brees is going to make a few plays. Kamara's going to have a few touchdowns. Not a few touchdowns, maybe one touchdown. But I think in the end, Nick drives him down, gets in the range for Jake the Snake. And in clutch time, I have faith in Jake to put it through the uprights. We're going to either L.A. or Dallas, and magic lives on.
1: I listen, man, I, If this if this happens... I think we'll have to do like an emergency pod on Sunday night and just literally get it all out because uh, like I said, it it will not be a surprise to me, but Holy crap. Will we be off our rockers? I'll tell you what.
0: Um, I'm totally down for that. And it's going to be a thrilling podcast either way, because this is going to be 100% pure emotion without any time to digest it, which is the best way to put out content because it's, it's just, I know if I had put out a podcast after that Panthers game or anything like that, it would have just been wildly irrational statements. <laughs> but I'm ready to put out some wildly irrational and poorly thought out statements either way after this game on Sunday because I am so excited. I'm just ready to go, man. Can it be right. Sunday?
1: Can it be let's, Sunday? Listen, nothing about this is rational. So let's get as irrational as we possibly can. Nick Foles is the quarterback of our Super Bowl champion Eagles, and uh, we, you know, we snuck into the playoffs and we won a playoff game. Uh, we were, you know, we're we were six point dogs. We're nine point dogs. Nothing makes sense. You know what? Hey, Donald Trump is president. So <laughs> you know what I mean. Let, let, oh. Let's. The government is shut down, so hey, you know what, let's... Uh, and I'm still paying taxes. I'm still paying taxes. <laughs> I asked somebody the other day, I said, do I still have to file my return? So, yeah, nothing makes sense, so let's just go with it.
0: I mean, there's there's so much riding on this game. I, I, the emotion for the Eagles, I really think, gives them a little bit of an advantage, 'Cause like I said, I don't know how the players are thinking in New Orleans locker room, but they had come out and said they thought they would have beat the Eagles last season if they had beaten the Vikings. They handed it to us earlier in the season, and all the, you know, underdogness or just all the weight is on the Eagles or is this that's not what I'm trying to say. What am I trying
1: to say? I think all the pressure, I think what you're trying to say is all the pressure is on the Saints. Yeah, and they, like, all, they, they all, have oh, I got it,
0: it. I, got, I got it. All the motivation is in the Eagles' side. They have all of the reason to want to kick the crap out of the Saints, where the Saints are just trying to get through to the next round so they can face the team that they think they're going to play, whereas the Eagles, <clears> they just want it all. They want, It's a revenge game, first off, and then it's the underdog thing once again, man. The underdog thing once again. And real quick, right, do you have anything to say on that? on that front before I go off on nope, one more time. I am,
1: uh, I, I'm ready. Just give me the, just give me, get me to Sunday, get me through this work week and I'm re- I'm ready. I'm ready for that game.
0: All right. So, so very quickly, um, I just wanted to do a little segment. Now, you know, we try and do it every, uh, every podcast. There's been a few, uh, missed opportunities, but now, you know, it's kind of where we give you some information, um, uh, that you might not have known. And quite frankly, this week you might've known it just because you've been listening to sports media, but, Next Sunday's game um, in the Superdome is going to mark the first time in NFL history that two Super Bowl MVP quarterbacks from the same high school will face each other in a playoff game. And Drew Brees... wow. Are you serious?
1: You didn't know that? I did not know that.
0: Oh, man. I thought that was... Yeah, that's been tweeted and all over the place, but it's a a really cool fact that they both went to Westlake High School in Texas. um, Okay. And Drew Brees led Westlake to a state championship in 96 and Foles uh, led them to the state title in 2006, but they lost it. So it's a matchup of two guys. Could you imagine being at a high school where you have two Super Bowl MVP quarterbacks coming out of there and now they're playing each other?
1: I would just close. (laughs) I can't ever top that again. So I would honestly I would just close my doors and just like be a shrine.
0: And it's, it's really incredible. It's incredible for Drew Brees because he's been in the league this long and that's why he's in there. But Nick Foles, when you, when you really sit down and think about it, he's one of 52 people to ever win the Super Bowl MVP. And there's only 52 of them out there. The odds of two of them meeting up in the same game
1: from the same high school is just, that's a hell of a brotherhood, man. That's (laughs) awesome. And uh, before you, before we, we wrap up, can I add something to now, you know, Yeah, man. Now, you know, part two or because I don't this is this is rather very recent, maybe in the last couple minutes. But I know the national championship game is happening tonight. Um, Apparently, the kicker from Alabama just doinked it. Um, No (laughs) way. It's it's 1413 Clemson when this was tweeted out with six twenty three left to go in the first. And uh, to take the lead, the Alabama kicker doinked it off the right upright. Oh my God. The (laughs) doinks are in town, baby. We've got an epidemic.
0: The doinks are in town. Oh my God. I I cannot wait for Sunday, man. I, I, so I live in Greensboro. Um, it's about 12 hours away from new Orleans and, um, right now, you know, 50, 50 on whether I'm going to make the road trip because I got a little, you know, Christmas money saved up from, from this past holiday season. And, uh, I just might go out there and treat myself to a trip to New Orleans to the game. I have a good feeling about it, and if that is the case, I will try and bring my microphone into the car or something for a impromptu, you know, maybe it's just a phone call that we record or something and we put out, but well, I'll keep you up to date on that, but I'm contemplating it right now. I really think it's an experience that...
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, we wear, you wear your Eagles gear. You You know, go to Go to uh, what's what's the famous street? Why am I blanking? Go to Bourbon Street, and uh, you know, don't get try not to get jumped, and <laughs> just have a have a good time. I mean, heck, heck yeah, man! If I could, I would, um, absolutely.
0: We'll we'll see about that, but around Philadelphia, elsewhere, uh, I guess we'll just touch on those Phillies making a little move there. What do you think about signing
1: Robertson? Well, I think you've got your closer now, you know, uh, and that that frees up Sir Anthony to be that 7th and 8th inning shutdown guy. Um that or setup guy that you that you kind of everybody thought that he was. I think as the season went on you were kind of thinking he's not a true closer anyway and now he gets to be that setup man that you really want him to be. He can come in and throw heat without having to get those really hard 3 outs. You just brought in a professional closer. Uh, and that's what he's going to be. So I'm happy. I'm really happy with that. I really like the small moves that the Phillies have done. They are a, a better team on paper than they were last year. I, I think they're just going to be better overall. Just with the without the Macharper move right now. With without either one of those guys, they're still a better team. And I think we they're they're four they're four to five wins better with the McCutcheon and Robertson and um, the Segura moves. Now it's been such a weird free agency. With um, It just seems like Machado and Harper are kind of, it's like a slow-moving chess game, uh, and it just, it just seems like it's, uh, I don't really know. The, you know, the beats don't have a lot to say. Yeah. You know, there's not a lot of information going around out there.
0: The only idea I have, and, you know, I don't have insider information. This is just me kind of looking at it from afar and trying to speculate, so... Disclaimer, no sources on this. Um, I just think that the two of them are trying to work something out with a team that interests them more than Philadelphia. but in the end, if the money is the money, I think they'll come to Philadelphia. I think if if New York or LA can make a deal that it might not be the you know historic gigantic contract that the Phillies can do. But if they can give them a deal where they're happy enough to go and have more of a chance to win or be in, you know, the two biggest cities in in the country, Philadelphia is not a bad spot. Um, I love it here. I think it's it's the fourth largest media market uh, sports-wise in the country. And I don't see why they wouldn't want to come here. But New York, L.A., if they can make that a deal, I think that's where the two of them would prefer to go. And if not, I think, I mean, I, I, I just hope if they do choose to come to Philadelphia, they're coming here with a clean mindset and ready to give their all to Philadelphia and not like, oh, I'll take my money and play my time here, you know? Yeah,
1: I agree with that. And I think it's going to play out. Uh, it's out of our hands, unfortunately, but I think it's going to play out. And I think we have a, still have as good a shot at either one of those guys, probably Machado more than Harper, as we did before. So. We will, uh, we will see what happens with that. But you know, I'm, I can't, i can not I want football to take its nice slow pace, especially with the Eagles. You know, take its time as long as stretch, we're in it, but
0: stretch it out, baby. Stretch I it
1: out. I can't say that once football's over, I'm not looking forward to to baseball season. I had a lot of fun watching baseball last year, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that again.
0: I mean, there was a time last season where the Eagles had just won their Super Bowl. <laughs> The Phils were looking hopeful and you had both the Sixers and the Flyers making runs. Um, not looking like the case right now for the Flyers or the Sixers. I know the Sixers are in a better position, but it just doesn't feel good right now at this team. Um, I mean – they're playing I feel better after the game
1: yeah. last night though. When with Ben had that Ben had a really nice triple double and I had just gotten done saying to someone, I need Ben. I'd got been so critical of Simmons lately and he comes out and he had a really nice game. And I just think he just needs to do that more consistently.
0: Yeah. You know, it's just, I mean, I have a sour taste in my mouth from that Boston game on Christmas and just anytime they uh, play a big team, man, we're not going to go into it now. Cause this has been a posse podcast. Right. We don't want to get neggy neggy, but, uh, it's just those type of games where you wonder: Is this team really going to be able to compete even into the Eastern Conference Finals? I mean,
1: um, I think, and I, this is all I'll say, but I I wrote a piece basically saying how they they need another true guard. I think right, right because they can't stop anyone. They can't stop any team's good player. Um, they 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 Kemba Walker sixty points. Kyrie Irving had forty points. Like they they can't stop those guys. Uh, with the configuration that they're playing with right now, because Ben Simmons is playing as a one, but he he's he's really a three, and then you don't have a true one. And and JJ is a two, yes, um, but Butler is also more like a two. So you don't that without the Fultz the Zaire thing has killed us. It really has hurt us this year.
0: Yeah, and and you know Ben's like a three but he's a three that can't shoot. So that makes it even more difficult to work that offense around. We'll see where it goes. There's, there's still time there. The NBA season's a long season. So it's not like the NFL where you lose three games and you need to get concerned. It's a long season and you hate to look at it that way, but it is that way. So if they can catch fire and figure stuff out, I'd love to see it happen. Um, do we want to touch on the Jimmy Butler thing? I, I'm, I don't have too much on it. I don't know no. what's going on exactly, but I just hope that they work, work things out there. And I like I Brett said
1: to you, yeah, go ahead.
0: I just hope Brett Brown figures out how to work all these players together and whether they get that guard or not, they're going to have to find a way. They have three really solid players and then some solid role players. So I, I don't see what this group, I, I know that it's not ideal but with this group, I I don't see why they can't make the run if we figure out how to use all of the pieces to their best abilities.
1: I 100% agree. I think I don't think there's too much to that. I think it's mostly, you know, I think it's some BS there. But um, you know, the players got to have the conversations like that with a coach. And Brett has a tall order. He has to figure out how to use these guys. And uh, I don't want to say the clock is ticking, but you know, he you know he's he's got to start figuring out how to use these guys. That's all I'll say
0: yeah man he's been here a while but we'll see what goes on with that and do you want to say anything about uh our boys in black the flyers
1: uh no they're we're they're kind of in stealth tank mode um yeah. and uh it's just there's a lot of things that uh you know are i don't know kind of have gone wrong at this point uh that that a uh, an AHL coach isn't going to come up and fix it's a problem of of uh, the roster and i think they need to do a lot of i'm 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 getting ready to put out a piece in the next week about how they they pretty much not have to blow up the core but they do need to make some serious changes to it because this core has proven that they they can't win together so they will need to figure out who is going to stay and who needs to go and then from there plug in the holes through free agency because they will have about 30 million in cap space to do so. So um, it should be an eventful summer for the flyers. And I think that's what we're looking at now is uh, we're kind of looking ahead to that. And
0: finally, before we close out any last thoughts on your Penn state, Mitney lions in that bowl game.
1: Uh, yeah. Thank you. Next.
0: <laughs> it's all good. Cause uh, we got slaughtered by that Duke quarterback. Who's he's pretty good. He's got a good arm, but temple lost their game. Anyways, all we can do now, my friend, is wait until Sunday, 440. Uh, have they, they haven't announced who's broadcasting it yet, have they?
1: No, but I hope it's not Collinsworth again. Please, for the love of God, spare us.
0: Yeah, uh, I don't know if I really want Joe Buck and Troy Aikman either. Um, maybe, I don't think ESPN's doing a 440 game, but I'd love to see the Monday Night Crew try and handle that one. We'll see, we'll see.
1: But uh, yeah, I'm with you, man. Um, As always, I'd like to thank you for your contributions to this podcast and everything that you do to get this thing ready and all the editing you do behind the scenes. Uh, I'd like to be the first to thank you this week. So it it was fun to get back to it.
0: Thank you, Justin. We are Justin and Pete of Flying High. If you like the podcast, I haven't mentioned this before, but I figured New Year, new me, it's time to mention this. Go on to iTunes and subscribe if you like what you're hearing. If you want to follow, we do a lot of Eagles content as we wrap up the Eagles season. We'll be doing other content as well, some more interesting pieces. But we're all Philly Sports all the time. If you love it, you want an hour of your day to hear Philly Sports from the fans' perspective, mash that subscribe button. Give us a nice review on iTunes and follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Flying High Pod. They can't come soon enough, Sandra Quest, play us out.
1: So tell me-